Hey, this is Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 122. It is Brando. Thanks for everybody who joins us, whether you found us on uh, the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, iTunes, uh, AlternativeNation.net, however you find us and listen to us, it's, uh, it's really, truly appreciated. And I like how what we're doing today, yes, coming up in just a few minutes, First time we had him was episode 20, so it's nearly been 100 episodes since we've spoken to Dave Kushner, of course, from Velvet Revolver, and, and just a lot of other great projects, a lot of TV stuff, Sons of Anarchy, F is for Family. Uh, we're going to talk to him in just a few minutes. But um, yes, the Dave Kushners of the world, very direct connection to our six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon. But if you listen to the last episode uh, with Sally Fortini... You don't know who that is, maybe, but you do now, hopefully, uh, that she was the executive producer for the 2002 VMAs with Guns N' Roses, but she's also done a halftime uh, show, Super Bowl halftime shows, a lot of VMA stuff. So we learned a lot about this strong and, and powerful and inspirational woman with some sort of connection to Guns N' Roses for our purposes. So we're kind of doing the same thing today. No, Dave doesn't have another special announcement. Uh, he's you know, he's not changing his sex, from what I understand. We we have a special co-host, a female co-host, to make make us sound uh, a little bit more uh, elegant here on the AFD show. You may remember Marcel Circus from episode seventy-seven, and her connection was going to high school with Dave Kushner and Slash and Flea and having a slow dance with a little Slovak and 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 just what you sitting on. Uh, what was it? Uh, Chris Weber's bed while Axl Rose was reading you the um, the lyrics to what was it? Back off, bitch. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you coming back on to be uh, my co-host. My pleasure. Happy to be back. Thanks. Your your story was really interesting and inspirational because it's not like we're just going back to revisit your high school days to talk about these, you know, these uh, future rock stars before they were famous. It's learning about someone like you who were in bands with, like, Tracy Guns before L.A. Guns, but who is still making a name for yourself. And um, before we, you know, get Dave on, I want to catch up with you a little bit because you and I bonded not just over the Guns N' Roses thing. We bonded yeah. over the, the, the maybe the unofficial secondary theme of this show, and that's being a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's your, your, your book. Um, how's that been going, the, uh, your, your Shiksa book? Right. So Shiksa's Guide to Shabbos, uh, Don't Blow Out the Candles, Helpful Tips for Blending in with Your Jewish Significant Other. Um, it's great. So the book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And then I wrote the second book, um, and that published in September of last year, uh, Shiksa's Guide to Jewish Cooking, The Secret Ingredient of Salt. 
And it's less uh, a cookbook, but more sort of like uh, an exploration of, you know, my favorite foods growing up. Really, up until the time I was eight, I lived in New York. I was born in Brooklyn. And so it's really uh, a love story of all my favorite foods in New York and, and Jewish cuisine and some tips along the way. So it's a lot of fun. Yes, and uh, later this month, yeah, later this month, we're kicking off a big campaign for the third book, uh, Shiksa's Guide to Planning a Jewish Wedding. Okay. And we're kicking that off with a campaign of uh, Fifty Shades of Shiksa, which you'll find <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> you know, because they all don't look like me. They're not all just uh, blonde, you know, green-eyed white tigers. Sure. So it's a lot of fun. So Fifty Shades of Shiksa, yeah, kicking off this week. And then also I'm executive producing a short film, which will shoot uh, second week of July, called Gastropod. And I'm really excited about that. So, like, the books are really fun, right? Like, they're passion projects, um, but still, you know, doing the other stuff as well. So I got a lot on my plate. What is the other? Like, what is that? What are you filming? Oh, the, the, so the film, it's called Gastropod. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what a gastropod is? You know, I feel like my or like my science teacher is going to get mad at me. I knew what a gastro. Right. I feel very stupid right now. I know the word. Right. It's just not coming back right. to me. I didn't know the word until gastropod. I wrote it. Like I literally wrote the script, and then I was like, "Well, what the? What are these things called?" So it's it's about snails. It's sort of a creepy, slimy that, comedy. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, a gastropod is a snail. So it's based on, uh, inspired by actual events. It's kind of creepy, but it's a lot of fun. I have a fantastic director, Allison Bergman. I'll give a shout out. She's a wonderful stage and film director. And we partnered with uh, Joe Camarano, producer and director with Saltino Entertainment. And we're off to the races. So, you know, Shiksa Book might be uh, somewhere in between those those things, but it's a lot of fun. It sounds it. You, you really have a lot of... Just like, yeah, all these spinning plates, and that's what's amazing. Well, we're going to talk to Dave about all these spinning plates, and I, that's a very common theme with everybody. So that's why I like talking to, you know, with, through the common thread of Guns N' Roses, how we all multitask to do the, the passion projects. This podcast is, a, you know, my passion project. Uh, even though radio is my career, I'm not getting paid for the, the podcast. I'm certainly enjoying it uh, very much. But it's 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 super inspirational what you're doing and do, you. do you, I, I, and are you i love your show i mean i love the show and i can't believe you know we've come from 77 to 120 episode 122 already it's um, weird fantastic i love it i think I, I i look at people like you and i get inspired or, or or dave kushner i get inspired it's like just you never know it's like i i used to have a problem getting like attached to like one project i would be um obsessed with like doing one thing like and it, it I didn't understand how you can have different phases in your life different projects in your life that you really uh put all all your your feeling into you know I guess I, I I'd say Guns N' Roses as a comparing uh, to maybe all the bands that Slash has been in does he has a, does he have a certain affection for one band over the other or all they are like are they all his children so to speak so you know, yeah, someone like you who's so been in band, about it, right? You know, yeah. But but someone like you who's been writing and acting and being in band, uh, not acting, excuse me, writing and uh, in um, books and writing yeah, screenplays, yeah, and being in bands, it's something like your your life keeps evolving. That's kind of like what it, I. It does, and it's funny too. You know, remember when we spoke last time and we talked about my project? I had a band with um, Maisa Doriak. It was called Not What I Had Planned, and we released uh, a CD, and Dizzy played on it. 
And it was so funny. After that show, like, we reconnected. So now that CD has been released on iTunes. Oh, okay. Um, so that's out. Yeah. And it was really nice because a lot of the fans wrote to me and they were like, well, can I hear this? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know where you would hear it. But then I ended up reconnecting with, you know, our old label. And so now that's released. So it's out there. Oh, that's perfect. So what is the, um, so I know fans are going to want to find it. What's the name of the, yeah. the track so that the you're CD on with Dizzy? It's called Not What I Had Planned, right. and the track is I'm Living. There's a few songs out there, but the whole CD, I, I think, now is on iTunes. Okay. So you could just go on iTunes and look for Maissa. It's M-A-I-S-S-A. Maissa, that's the singer of the band. Oh, perfect. Um, so Maissa and the plan, yeah. And uh, it's out there. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. So you, so. like, I'm sure you never would have imagined, you know, all the projects you're currently working on when you were... You know what? I, I think I said this to you last last episode. I know you're 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 working on a lot of things now, but your high school needs to be made into a movie, and all these different characters. It's not just the ones who got yeah. to the Chili Peppers level or the GNR level, but so you know, if it was told through maybe like your eyes, your prism, someone who's still successful, but has all these, it would be interesting, like an interesting viewpoint. You see all these like side characters who are super famous, but you're the focal. Yeah, for you're, sure. You know, I journaled, so I, I don't know if I mentioned to you last time, like, when we talked, and I went and I started looking through old papers, right? Like, I sent you some, I sent you a business card from Ricky Rocket, right? And yeah. Like, you, mm-hmm. and so I sent you a bunch of silly stuff, and like, when Chili Peppers were Anthem, and I had a picture, of, like a ticket for the Troubadour to see Anthem, you know, in like 1981. Jeez. And so I was looking through the papers, and I had journaled. I found like a stack of papers of journaling like on a typewriter for some reason on pink paper and all these like times with flea and going to parties from high school and GNR during use your illusion. And oh, wow. yeah, I've thought about, you know, putting that together. Yeah. Like I had some really, um, an interesting, you know, day and evening with Axel during use your illusion. And I guess, you know, it's kind of wild. So yeah, and I had I had journaled that. <laughs> so okay, it's... you know. So but I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just push push it out as like a blog. Maybe I'll just blog that that evening for fun. You know. Well, it's it starts from from somewhere. You know, uh, Nikki Six had the yeah. the journals and then became. Hello? Oh, hey, Dave. No, I was gonna uh, awkwardly get into picking the phone up. Uh, Mr. Kushner. Oh, okay. <laughs> we right. were, we were just come back. No, no, of course <laughs> not. Thank you, Dave Kushner. We were actually just talking about your old high school days. That's what we were just talking about. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, Dave Kushner, welcome back to uh, the show. I just said to Marcel Circus, your 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 alumni from Fairfax uh, High School, is uh, on the line as I well. I know, dude. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I know I talk a lot. I'm sorry. I always try to set the table and then and then shut up for for my guests. Uh, but we were just talking about how it could be a movie. All these different characters, not just yeah the the GNR people, the Chili Pepper people, but like what Marcel has done, and 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 your story is incredible, which I know we got way back in episode twenty. This is episode one hundred and twenty-two, Dave. Wow, I, I, it's awesome. It, it really is. So I, I I really just appreciate you taking the time. And first things first, how are you feeling? Are you feeling all right? I feel better. Okay. I can uh, I can talk nicely. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I feel, I feel almost, I'm about 85%. Oh, well, I appreciate you, uh, you giving the old college try. What was it? Um, flu, cold, 
You ate too much Taco Bell? What, are you all right? No, no, dude. It's You know what? I have two kids, and it's just like everyone's uh, always getting sick, and you no never more. know what. It's like three different versions of the same head cold, and then it's, a, you know, and then someone's throwing up all night, and then it's, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's always something different. Yikes. Yikes. Well, I was asking before we got on, um, before I would speak to you, because I didn't want to, I don't know, embarrass anyone, because I think it's cool that... Uh, Marcel and Slash are still friends uh, that they'll meet up at shows sometimes. But I'm sure like you, Dave, when you became you know, famous or more well-known, everybody comes out of the woodwork. Hey, remember me from earth science class in fourth grade trying to be all beggars and hangers on. So do you, you guys like kind of ran the same circle, right? Like do you have a lot of memories together or is it kind of shared memories of – I don't know. Maybe Marcel, do you want to kind of kick this off about how you know yeah, you, sure. you know him as David Kushner, little David Kushner? Yeah, David Kushner. Yeah. <laughs> so what I and this is funny because when I saw that Brandon was going to do this interview, and I saw yeah. Dave Kushner, I was like, wait a minute, is that David Kushner? That can't be. So, like immediately in my head, I saw hanging out with you and John O'Brien and Kenny Kimmel. And I played bass with Kenny and Steve Reed. And I was in bad example for a while at KIA and you were friends with Louis Metz and like all of this stuff was swirling. And I thought, cause I used to jam with Monty McConnell. I thought, yeah, punk rocker days. That's it. <laughs> That's so funny because the pic <laughs> that you'd say that. And then you see the picture that you put that, uh, from the yearbook. No, you still had hair. So so not punk rock. You had an <laughs> afro. Like, I know. <laughs> Curly hair. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I swear I was in the punk rock. But, yeah. But you know, it was right after that picture. Yeah, and it was funny because when you, I was like, Marcel, and he had just uh, said it, and then I was like, I didn't know who who they were talking about. And then when I saw the picture, I was like, oh, yeah, her. <laughs> it was so weird. Like it all just came back very quickly, Love you know. It. And it's so yeah. funny when you see someone, you know, like you, Marcel, that that's so familiar. You're like, oh yeah, I remember the thing. And then there was these people around, like you just said. And it's just yeah. cool because, I mean, I guess to segue into answering your question, for me there wasn't. I didn't feel like there was a lot of that because. I think I spent so much time working towards what eventually happened in Velvet Revolver that I was kind of a boots on the ground kind of band guy in LA for a long time before I got my quote unquote big break, mm. you know? So it's like, I would still like if Marcel was around, I would still be friends with her because I wasn't removed from being local and still living in LA and Got it. still, and there's like a lot of people just around, like last night, for instance, I played this show with uh, Bill Burr at the Roxy and there's this guy, Joe Sib, and he's a comedian now, but he used to be in this band wax. Okay. And Oh, sure. From the nineties. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now he's a stand up, and <laughs> that's cool. It was, man. It was so cool to see him. But we, the night before, we had a rehearsal. And, you know, it's like, I haven't seen that guy in, in years. But it's the same. It's just like Marcel said, you know, it's like, I I see him. And it's like, oh, dude, how was, 
you know, Mr. like we had all these goofy names for people like Mr. Ed, this guy Ed Nappy, or like Mr. Bill was Bill Armstrong, the guy he's partners with in this side one dummy records. And, you know, you just, you always, if you, if you're born and raised here and you grew up here and you still live here and you come in contact with these people, you just spend the first fucking half hour. You see them connecting the dots of, Oh, do you remember that time that <laughs> we had the first tool demo on cassette and your singer lived with blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I remember seeing Maynard at blah, blah, you know, and you just start, it's, and it sucks for the person that wasn't there. Like, <laughs> cause there were three of us. <laughs> One is that comedian, Josh Adam Myers, who kind of runs the whole thing we did last night. And he's just standing there like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then we're just like, yeah, I remember when, blah, blah, and then Madam Wong's and this, blah, blah, and it's just funny. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. Wish I was there, yeah. guys. <laughs> so I can, exactly. ask, I can ask this to, to both of you since you kind of, you lived that, that era of what now is portrayed. For those of us who, whether or not we were there, we didn't experience. So I, I'm going with, I'm going with the uh, towards the dirt, the movie The Dirt. So you guys have may have had that kind of experience that 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 time. Is that something that you can go back and maybe create stories? That's what I'm I'm really harping on with uh with Marcel that I I just feel like the Fairfax High School could be a story and I'm hoping uh The Dirt and and Bohemian Rhapsody and the new Elton John movie are paving the way for more stories to be told and I'm just like Again, it's not even talking like with with you, Dave, yet with the, the Velvet Revolver stuff. It's talking to Marcel. You know how she the one time she told the story about Flea running around naked in a house party. You know that's that could be an opening scene to a movie. You know, do you do you, yeah. do you look back at your high school days from what you remember and be like, you know what, this was this was no ordinary high school. This this I don't know. There are too many sto- There are more stories to be told. Uh, are you asking me or her? Um. To the floor. I mean, either one of you, I guess, because you guys have sh- some shared experiences. But I guess, you know, Dave, you first. Do you, do you uh, think back and just realize who some of your classmates were who came out of there? And do you, now that you work in TV, do you ever kind of, I don't know, does your, does your thought process ever go down that route of doing something or being a part of something like that? Like a dirt, like a PME Rhapsody? I guess, you know, I mean having been in Velvet Revolver, you always think like that alone is, you know, one of those movies. Cause like, I think when I, right. before I was in the band, even though I had grown up with a lot of these guys, you know, until I was in a band and a partner in a band where you're basically a partner in a big company, you know, and you're, and there's money and there's blah, blah, blah. And all these other factors I'd never, I'd only seen those things on like, VH1 behind the music and I didn't really experience all of those things firsthand. Okay. Like, and I mean, look, you, you know, we've, we've all done our share of drinking and drugs and in the past. And, you know, there's been like, you know, someone, you know, ODs or this happens or that not, you know, no, I'm not saying it flippantly. I'm saying like it happens. Oh, I know what you mean. Sure. you experience those things or people going to rehab or people, whatever. But at that level, it's a whole different world. And, and so for me, even having grown up here and gone to that school and all that stuff, I was like, 
this is like fucking behind the music shit going on here. And so even that in itself is, you know, of course, when you're, you hear, but you see a, a thing like the dirt and then you're like, wow, that would be crazy if they did one about this bar band. And, you know, but I mean, honestly, I think that the fact that I live now five miles from where the hospital I was born in, you know, and I basically lived within a five mile radius of where my parents met, you know, when I was a kid or when I was, before I was born, you know? So it's like every, it's, I mean, I'm just, it's just been my experience that that's kind of been my whole life. So I wouldn't know which even part of it to pick, you know, whether it's, uh, I yeah, guess I was wondering, high. like the the high again, the, the high school days. Obviously, with both of you being on on the phone, but you know, with something when you're that young, I think there's a different story than you know, kind of like a uh, like a prequel to before they become famous. You know, like yeah, how it's sort of uh, innocence, right? Like when the bands are coming up, there's sort of an innocence. Like I don't think when I was in high school and I was you know playing punk, right? Punk before metal. I don't remember thinking about it like um, a business or that anybody was going to be successful or who was going to be successful. I didn't even look at that. I mean, it was just a really great time. (laughs) It's just sort of, you know, what we did. It was just the culture of, I guess, maybe coming up uh, in L.A. It's surprising, you know, that so many of us were musicians and in music and we didn't all just go out and become actors. There was definitely something going on at that time. And, uh, and then culturally, too, in L.A. and Fairfax High School being on Melrose Avenue and Melrose Avenue being a center for, for fashion and punk rock. And it was just it was a vibe. It was definitely a time, you know, an era inspired a lot of that. It does. You're really inspire. good at saying it all like in a succinct, nice, clean package where I will ramble on and go down little different rabbit holes. Dave, I'm the same way, which is why I chose to do podcasting instead of writing. And that's why Marcel is an author. So I chose to do writing now, music and writing. So maybe I'll write that story because I, I, you know, and I was telling uh, Brandon before we were talking also, like, I have really clear memories, I'm happy to say, of a lot of that stuff, like from Okie Dog and Masonic Temple and, and gigs and riots and just all of it and and punk rock sort of like melding into in the metal and a lot of us making that transition too i think is really interesting a lot yeah. of it it's because you you guys both came despite what dave's hair looked like in high school you both came from punk roots and that now that you're both uh dealing with in, in getting involved in tv so i guess that's where my my brain was going seeing and that's what I was talking yeah. to Marcel about when you, before you, you came on, Dave, was just different phases in life. Yeah, Velvet Revolver. I mean, I was just, you know, leading up to this interview, I'm watching performances. Like, wow. You know, I guess I miss that band. You know, obviously miss Scott. And that's just me. I, I can't, you know, I, I can't even imagine what you go through. But you still have successes and, and phases even before you, you uh, joined Velvet. So it's just uh, obviously the evolution of life. You don't need someone younger telling you that. But that's kind of where I've... Uh, come right. to kind of understand a little bit. So that's why I, I wanted to catch up and see everything that you're doing now, because obviously Sons of Anarchy is not on on uh, the air anymore, but you had a lot of, you know, you, you co-wrote the music. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean it's not? A, uh, <laughs> um, um, actually, yeah. before, uh, I want to ask you a question about Sons of Anarchy before I um, 
before I lose it. This is from a, a fan, Ray from the UK. So obviously you did music for that, uh, but you were you acted in a couple of episodes. Um, he mentions one episode. Acting. The word acting is a very far stretch. <laughs> and an extra, you were on camera. Is that better? You were yeah, on camera. I was on camera. Uh, there was one where you, uh, it was uh, Opie's wedding, where you were seen playing yeah. in the wedding band. Uh, so he wants to know what was it like on set. They all seem like a bunch of cool guys and gals. So I guess he wants to know about that experience. Of yeah, your... I mean, at that point, it was already season, I think season two or three three maybe so a lot of those guys you know i think if you're if you're acting you i mean if you're pretending to be a biker gang eventually when you're coming back from a hiatus like you kind of become a little gang of dudes and hang out afterwards and and i think at that point those guys had kind of become that oh cool all right and they were all just really cool you know, like some of them, yeah, didn't hang out. and But in general, it was just a cool group of guys. And it was, you know, and the band was me and Bob, the guy who wrote the, who was the composer on the show and the guy I wrote the theme song with and who I had already been friends with for years before that, which is how we came together to do it. And Frankie Perez was there and, you know, who was the guy who got, hired to sing in Velvet Revolver for a minute after Scott. And he, so, you know, I mean, it was fun, but you also, it's funny because when you're a musician and you're in the acting world, you're always like sitting around forever. And you're just like, Oh, I could never do this for a living. Like that, that was like the general consensus of all the musicians. Like, Oh God, I could not, I could not do this for a living. <laughs> There's just so much, at least like, you know, if you're touring, you know, you know, when the, when the time is like, you know, when that hour and a half or two hour, whatever, you know, when that's happening, you know, and you know, on certain days it's not happening. So you just deal with it. So it's very like specific and you can psych yourself up for it where, you're just kind of waiting in a in a void on set. So that's like the the weird thing for me was just like you don't know when the fuck you're going to start shooting. <laughs> you're like a fucking asshole and you're just like at the will of whenever someone decides or whenever it's set up or when you know and there's like it's not arbitrary but there's a lot of there's just a lot of waiting and in those situations, you just realize why you don't want to be an actor. <laughs> it reaffirmed your decision to be a musician. I got you. Yeah. So then yeah. what's the contrast with, and you just mentioned last night you were hanging out with uh, the brilliant Bill Burr uh, for F is for Family. Yeah. Do you just, I know you do the music, but do you, um, and forgive me if I don't know, Do you have you done any voiceovers for it? I have not. Is that something you would want? But, is that something you would want to do? I mean, I don't know. I guess I would, but it's, I don't aspire to do it. You know, it's not like, Oh, I wish I could, you know, sometimes you're like, Oh, it'd be cool to act in this. Or uh, I think I would rather maybe do something like that than just a voiceover thing. Okay. Uh, but you know, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really ever think about it. I'm not going to try and make it into something. It's not, <laughs> I don't really, 
I don't really think about it. Fair enough, because I mean, I'm just seeing, you know, obviously the dirt's on my head, but I, I just watched um, the new uh, Ted Bundy film with Zac Efron, and it was all this hype about James Hetfield. He was in it for like 30 seconds. So you just, oh, really? Yeah, he just played the, the cop who caught him. Um, when he was, I mean, I don't know if you didn't know Ted Bundy's story when he was speeding, yeah. and he just had a, a short scene after that, and that was it. So I guess, right. again, you never know where lives may, may lead. So I'm just, uh, I'd rather ask and you say no than, uh, than all of a sudden I can see Dave Kushner coming out with, I don't know, some sort of uh, mini series about your life. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't ask him that question. How did I not know this? It's interesting because like when I worked at Tower Video in 84, no, 80 something, 88. Uh, well, I worked there for four years and it was right after Slash and Axel worked there and it's so weird because there's this these two girls that worked there for like six months and they ended up writing that movie Empire Records really and yeah there was like three or four things in that movie that actually happened in the store for that six months that they worked there so it was all based on that tower video time which is kind of weird I didn't know that. All right, well, I have a que- I have a question, a tower video question for you. Yeah. Because um, during right around high school, like even before I graduated, I was working for a ticket agency, a ticket broker in L.A. And oh yeah, master. Okay. <laughs> so my question is: Were you involved in any um, ticket scandals or scalping that you would like to talk about? <laughs> You know what? I wasn't, but I know Zach. I I almost said it as you were saying that when you said I worked for a ticket agent. I'm like, oh, the guy that would send all of our friends out with a certain amount of money and Stola. Oh, I don't even. I shouldn't even say. Yeah, um, Michael. I'll, I'll say his first. I already said his last name, but yeah, we used to run with a crew. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. I wanted to get in on that though. Like, oh, oh yeah, like, you should ask me. Or something like that. Like. You get like fifty bucks, so you just got to wait in line for like four you hours. Got fifty bucks, that's right. And they gave you the cash, and you got the wristband. Oh, they had it was. We used to go to the forum. We used to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we used to run Englewood. Yeah. But the thing with ticket with Tower Video, um, because I remember one year trying to get ACDC tickets. Maybe you weren't even working there yet, but I remember like we were standing at the door at ten a.m. waiting to get in, and the people that worked at Tower were like printing yeah, out well, all the tickets. And we could yeah. see them because the machine was like right on the other side of the door, and they were like, "Machine's not working." Yeah, because the Ticketmaster window was right when you walked up to the. Oh front wow! Door. Right when you. That's right, and they printed up all the tickets, and um, yeah, God, I was like, "That's never going to happen to me again." And then I was a ticket scalper for like the next ten years. <laughs> yeah, no, I fully worked there when that happened, and but I worked in the. I worked downstairs. Uh, I made all the signs for the inside of the store. Those like foam core ah. signs when it's like yeah. for the new releases and stuff. So I started upstairs, but then I ended up downstairs and I just uh, made all those signs, but I would get there at nine in the morning. And I remember that day because I remember that was like, that was one of the few times that there was some crazy line outside the store. And then you felt like an asshole walking into the store past all these people <laughs> that were waiting just you know, you're just going to work, but you feel like they're all looking at you like you're an asshole. <laughs> this is what yeah, I mean. All these little like... mini movies that are not even the big, you know, rock star parts. That all these just because 
Tower Tower Video, kids, you know, I remember, I remember having to buy tickets at a, you know, a record store, but that doesn't, obviously that doesn't exist today unless maybe, you know, the last one that's in Montana or something. Right. It was fun. I also want to know, uh, Dave, something you've been you've been uh, doing. I got excited, and especially since uh, Mike Squires uh, commented on it, so he was excited about it. Uh, Monkey Mind Music Group. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, a friend of mine, this guy Bill, he is the uh, creative director at the NFL Network, and our kids go to school together. And so, I met Bill last year. Bill and I became friends. Uh, he, uh, had a chili pepper shirt on. So I was like, you know, we just started talking and he's a music guy and he plays guitar and, and he just, it was a really cool guy. And we got together and we, we just hung out and he was like, dude, I need a theme song for Thursday night football. And I said, all right. And we got together at my studio and we, you know, and I did that theme song for Thursday night football last year. Oh, nice. And we just got along really good and we started talking and he used to work at HBO and he used to do all the 24 seven sports stuff and HBO boxing and all that stuff. And he's like, Oh, you got to meet this buddy of mine, Jose. He lives in, he actually lives in the Valley, you know, kind of near you. And, and he, uh, and he was my composer for all of the 24 seven sports stuff. Really cool guy. You should meet him. I meet him at Bill's house at a barbecue Jose is doing this documentary for Amazon at the time. And me and Jose get along good. He's like, you should do, you should play on this thing I'm doing. Uh, it's this documentary about, it's it's basically the true story of Narcos Mexico, about the Kiki Camarena murder and all that stuff. And uh, so I get together with Jose, I play on it. He's like, we should partner. I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, and then we basically... Within a couple weeks, starting kind of around last November, we we just came up with this company. Like, we came up with a name. We came up with the, I drew the logo. We made a, a reel that's actually on the website now on monkeymindmusic.com. And it's basically uh, stuff we've done uh, up until that point. And we just said, let's, let's go after film and TV projects. And uh, ever since we've done, I think we're in the middle of a fifth project since January, since sending out the reel in December and January. And it's been great. I mean, we just basically were, you know, a clean group. His wife is also a, a really amazing composer that, went to Berkeley school of music. And, and so, you know, as a, as a group, we do film and TV projects. And so we're doing that thing. It's called the last narc for Amazon right now. Uh, we're going to do a movie in that starts filming in a couple of weeks called Silk road. That's the story about that dark web website called Silk road. Uh, we just did a theme song for, Gordon Ramsay's new uh, show that's coming out on National Geographic next month. He has like 20 shows, but I guess he deserves it because yeah. he's good. <laughs> this one has the best theme song, though. <laughs> yes. Well played. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And 
we're doing a movie right now for for Wild West that do the same production company that does um, episodes for Family. Okay. And we're in the middle of that movie, and we just did some stuff for BET for this show called American Gangster. So we've been, it's been great, man. Like ever since we decided to do it, and it just happened very organically and very easily, and and uh, yeah. So that's what I'm really kind of hyper focused on right now that's awesome as soon as i i, I saw that because i i love the logo and now knowing that you officially uh drew it I, and i don't know if you said it facetiously on your instagram you're like hire me if you want me to draw your company logo maybe i'll have you do that for my podcast um uh, but i think it's great especially now there's so many there's so much tv there's so much out there and you, and the good thing about that is you can get super creative with the music. So I, I think that's fantastic uh, that that's what you're working on now. Didn't you say that Marcel's doing TV too now or writing for? Yeah. Do Marcel, do you want to tell him what you, uh, you said to me? Yeah, sure. Yeah. A little bit. I, um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had played in bands up through the eighties and nineties. And I played in a band with uh, Maisa Doriak. It was called Maisa and the Plan. And we recorded a CD with Sonic Records in the early 90s. And I was friends with Dizzy Reed, right, keyboard player from Guns N' Roses yeah. before GNR. And so Dizzy played on our CD and actually played a lot of shows with us around 94, 95. And then um, I kind of transitioned out of that into um, production and, and digital media. And so I've been producing, like, animation, holograms, you know, and a lot of interactive work. And just about the last, I used to work, I used to write for Hollywood Gazette. So I'd always kind of written. And then last year I wrote two books. So they're like humor books. It's called, one is called The Shiksa's Guide to Shabbos. Don't blow out the candle. <laughs> and uh, so, so you get that, right? Like I'm a Shiksa, I call myself a Shiksa Jew. You know, I'm Jewish. Right. But, you know, like there's bacon in my house four days out of seven. So <laughs> I wrote these books. And they were kind of fun. They were sort of like, you know, just a little humor side thing. But I've written a few TV shows that I'm pitching, one about my ticket scalper days working uh, at the ticket agency called Stubbs. And it kind of follows like 1984. And it was that year of the Olympics in L.A. Um, So I have a pilot episode written on that. And then this summer I'm producing a short film called Gastropod. And it's about. Um, I bet Dave knows what that is. Yard. I bet Dave yeah, knows what. You know what gastropod is? I don't. Okay, good. It's a, it's a snail. <laughs> I learned. <laughs> yeah, it's a snail. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, it's, yeah, and it's based on actual, inspired by actual events of a home that I grew up in in West Hollywood, right off Melrose, and an obscene uh, snail graveyard discovered on the property. So. Oh wow. So uh, yeah, so I'm writing. I'm like you know a content machine. I just love it. So it keeps me real busy. But I'm still jamming a little bit. But you know, much more writing than playing these days. That's awesome. See, that's what I love. You know what what Marcel's doing now and everything that's going on with you, Dave. I I can't help. It's just the way my my brain works, or my chemicals, you know, are balanced in in it. Uh, going back to high school and just thinking about you know all the lives that you both have lived through. And, and to be in such what seems like very good places right now. And it's difficult because I, I know, Dave, when I first had you on, we, you know, we, we spoke about uh, Scott um, and, and uh, Marcel. When you first came on, we, your first slow dance with, with, uh, was with Hillel Slovak, you know, who, who we lost at yeah. such a young age. 
And um, I guess I can say it to, uh, to you, Dave, because it's it's been a while, and I, I texted you uh, after it happened because I you know I told you about what happened with my dad, which was something similar yeah. that happened with uh, Chester Bennington. So it's right. it's yeah yeah it, right. it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to think about those, but then to, to see both of you who ran in the same circles, just showing that there is uh, you can work through. Uh, anything and, and 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 just to be successful in, in family so you know it's just cool to a hear you guys reminisce but just that you're both still killing it you know uh in, in, right now and in, 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 as we speak today um if i can uh, dave you can tell me if, if you'd rather not are you how I, did that come as a, i had to imagine like it was a shock to me you know all fans i mean scott even though it broke my heart it's, I mean, you, you knew he was in trouble. He had problems. Did you expect anything like that with, uh, from Chester? Uh, no, that was really like this fucking super shocking, like out of nowhere, like, you know, because we had, we were working together right. with the, with the, the cover band, all-star cover band thing. And, you know, we were hanging out a lot and I, it was crazy because, you know, we were talking that week and texting and I knew he was out of town and, you know, he said, I said, well, let's hang out. And he's like, yeah, I'm back on blah, blah, blah. We'll hang out. You know? And that was like, the last time I talked to him and that was like, I mean, two days before he died. And I remember that and he seemed fine. And that's the thing, you know, with him, what I think, you know, that kind of came out of nowhere was the fact that he seemed like he was okay, you know, and I, I'm not even going to try and, you know, guess why exactly sure. he did what he did, you know, because you just fucking never know. I know that, you know, but I think he was, I don't know. I really don't. Um, but it, you know, I found out like, I, I remember I was with my family and we were driving home from Ojai for some reason. Oh no. Or somewhere like by Ojai. And we were in the car and I was driving, my kids were in the back and my wife's like, I just got a text from someone saying, I'm sorry to hear about Chester. And then she's like texting them back and asking, you know, about what happened. And then we turned on K-Rock and then they said the thing on K-Rock. And, you know, for me, I just was like in shock. Like I didn't, you know, start emotionally reacting. I'm just like, what the fuck? And then she got up, she got upset. And then the kids knew, well, my daughter, because mm. uh, one night we were, Chester and I went out somewhere and I forget where, but I remember we were, it was so funny, man. Cause we had met in, at my studio and then we drove into Beverly Hills, like on the other side of the hill. And I'm like, dude, we got to, I got to pick up my daughter at this Halloween party up 
up in up in the hills and he's like, All right, let's go. And you know, we were like she's like in costume. She's she was like seven at the time. And there's just like this Halloween party and you know, he's he was just so cool and normal that way, as you just talk to anyone like whatever. And, you know, then we were riding home in my car and my daughter's in the back seat all dressed up in whatever costume she has on. And she, they had just, they had all these demos for the new Lincoln Park record, the one, last one that came out. Okay. And so he would play stuff for her and he'd be like, what do you think of this? You know, because he'd be like, oh, kids are all like the best because they just have a pure kind of reaction to things. Okay. So he was playing her all these demos uh, in the car. And she'd be like, no, I don't really like that one. You know, or she'd be like, I like this part and this one. And, you know, so anyways, it was, it was really shocking and sad and fucking so out of left field that, you know, and it was crazy. You know, I just couldn't kind of wrap my head around it. And, you know, and even still, it's like, you know, it's like, I think once you lose, people like that you you just think about them all the time like mm-hmm. when marcel was saying like you know john o'brien who she played who john o'brien was like my best friend in the world like we met when we were 12 years old on a little league team and we mm-hmm. you know from there we went on to you know play music together to being roommates from like for like 15 years from ages like 21 till, till I met my wife when I was like 35. And then we shared a studio together. And the day before he died, he went out of town and then he died. And like our kids are friends. Our kids go to school together still. Like, you know, we had been friends like since we were 12 and it's the same thing. You know, it's a, it's the same thing with him where, you know, I, especially now, it's like I'm coaching my kids' little league team. So I think about him or talk to him in my head. Sure. Or, you know, it's like you're in these, for me, that's just how I deal with these things. Like where you're in different situations and you talk to those people in your head. Sure. You know, because I, you know, imagine that they're still fucking around somewhere. You know, and it's just like, in one way, it's cool because you can still communicate at least one-sidedly, you know, with those people. But, you know, and then I'm sure, you know, you too, like, you know, you go in waves where you're like, hundred percent. some days you just can't like, even now with John, you know, it's like, it's been, I don't know, fucking six years at least or seven years and something like that, I think. But, even now, like I was looking for pictures of something in my iPhoto library and it's like I'm scrolling through and there's all these pictures from his funeral or something. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, I can't even look at this right now, you know, and I have to like some days I just can't even like I just still seven years later I have to just go buy it quickly, you know, and some days I can look and get all weepy and do indulge that. But, you know. I understand, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, you sharing those thoughts. And I joked with Marcel 
uh, before you came on that my the secondary theme of this podcast, uh, other than obviously underneath GNR, is uh, being Jewish. And I said that jokingly because of you know her books and everything. But the the real secondary theme is is mental health, and I get a lot of messages from listeners who really appreciate the way that I approach it because for me i've always tied it into guns or roses somehow i just always looked at axel like i would get that angry but i can also be someone who really identify with november rain so that's how it meets in my in my head so i i appreciate you you know sharing uh your feelings it, it is because it is the same thing uh for me a few episodes ago uh, i interviewed steven van zant and my yeah. bro- my brother uh said to me he's like to dad that would have been the ultimate because you just spoke to I, I forget his name on the, on the Sopranos, but you just spoke to from the Sopranos, and uh, it's just, I, I wish he was here. I mean, I'm living this radio life now that he was such a supporter of. Listen to me the very yeah. first time I cracked the mic in college, and I can't help but think about it, of course, whether it's a father, whether it's a, it's a friend, bandmate, all of that. So that's why, you know, I appreciate, you know, you sharing your feelings, but just seeing where you are now, because you're friends with it. That's how I think sometimes. Like that could have easily been me. Then you think about your your siblings, your friend, how do they handle it? So it's it's just difficult. And I, I appreciate someone you know like you, um, you know, as being open about it. So um yeah, just sorry for yeah. your your loss and your, your bandmate. Again, it's just oh, it's it's Oh dude. But you know what? And and it's like you said, you know, I think too for me, you know, it's like Marcel's obviously around the same age, but, you know, and I don't know what it is for women, but for, I think men, my age and older, it's like, there's still that leftover kind of Steve McQueen, old Burt Reynolds, like that kind of like <laughs> tough guy way of thinking, like, you know, the stoic, like, sure. There's, there's still that thing you want to kind of be like that, but I'm just not in a lot of ways. And, you know, like I was primarily raised by my mom and, and, and for me, it's just helpful to fucking talk about that shit because, you know, you, if you just get too stoic and hold it in, it's like something, it's going to come out somewhere, you know, and it's not going to be good because it's not going to be like processed. No, and it's it's more. Yeah. I, I grew up with stories about you know the the sad sob stories of of Hillel and and that era of of losing people young. Of course, the Twenty Seven Club. But now seeing what has happened, you know, Chris Cornell, Scott Weiland, you know, um, from oh why am I just forgetting his name from Prodigy? Forgive me, uh, Keith Flint. Uh, yeah, it's it's still happening. You know, to, as we get older, my dad was fifty nine. So, and, you know, he was a rock and roll guy. So that's why it's scary, and you can't have that attitude anymore. And the scary thing, too, is that it's more suicide now than before it was just, not just, but before it was, like, more overdoses and accidental overdoses, you know, with, like, Hendrix and Joplin and all these other people. It was, like, or jump on them, you know, and now it's, like, suicide. It's, like, people making that decision rather than just going too far partying. So it's, and that's, that's a big difference, you know, if you're a drug addict and an alcoholic and you go too far, then yeah, it, it touches on the issue of drug addiction and alcoholism, you know, which is obviously another thing, but it's different man than mental health. And obviously too, the two are intertwined in some cases where it's, 
you do one to deal with the other, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big difference. We've seen a lot of people, you know, you would think when you get over a certain age, right? Like, isn't it kind of expected? Like, okay, when you're young, you're frustrated, you're struggling. But by the time you're 40, 50, successful, that maybe you would not have that issue. And we looked at, you know, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade and Robin Williams, people that, you know, had achieved so much and were so loved, right? And so it's hard to process that. Oh, you, yeah, exactly. As usual, Marcel comes in and says it more concise than either uh, right. Dave and me can say it. No, but I, oh. you guys have great insights. And, and again, I know I keep belaboring the point, but to look at all, both of you who have gone through different phases and, you know, Dave, you mentioned it before that you were your boots on, boots on the ground before Velvet you know, made it. So I don't know what your mindset was. I Forgive me if I forget if I asked, you know, 100 episodes ago. But if you were like, oh, is this ever going to happen for me? And that could be... For me, in radio, that was depressing. I'm like, if I don't, if I can't make it in radio, what am I going to do with my life? You know, so you can, can get depressed. Or once you make it, what if I lose my job? The, I, I worked so hard to make it here. Now, what if I lose it? What if I never get it back again? And that's when it you are you do get older. And that's why I love seeing how active you are, Dave, in, in contributing and everything. You know, Marcel's a goody is a goody two shoes. Not the same thing for her. But she, how, <laughs> thank how, you, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Well, I have a question too for Dave because you know yeah, when so. I was playing in a band and then we got a deal and then that changed everything and so now all of a sudden it became a job. And that was sort of a different yeah. adjustment. So, like, it's kind of be careful what you wish for. So I would ask, yeah. like, how different was it when, you know, you go from jamming and you can, you know, get high and play and goof around and play a gig versus now, you know, you're playing with Slasher and this new thing. And now you're really accountable. Like, did that re- kind of change the feeling of what, what it meant to play at that like that? Um, I uh, n- yes and no. I think that I was very fortunate to have already been. Let's see. I, you know, I was I was really uh, probably ten. It might have been like about thirteen years done drinking and doing drugs at that point. Okay. So I was really pretty far along, you know, it, as far as that, like, you know, not partying and not doing all that stuff. So, so in that sense, it was, you know, I was used to being responsible, quote unquote, you know, and as far as like, okay, look, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to be a part of a team. I'm here to, you know, help us all get to the finish line. So, you know, in that way I was, I think I was prepared. Um, and, you know, I, I think with the other, the other way of like, okay, now it's, now it's kind of a job and everything like that. I think I had had enough experiences where, like I said, it was a slow burn because I got a little bit farther. Like it was from being in wasted youth and getting a, a tiny record deal to being in the electric love hogs and getting a little bit bigger record deal and going on tour for the first time. And then, you know, and the the crazy thing for me was, you know, I never toured. I never got to tour when I was drinking. Like, mm. I stopped right before my first band ever went on tour. That's interesting. So for me, and that wow. was the, the hope was like, oh, it's going to be awesome someday. I'm going to, 
go on tour and I'm going to be able to drink and do drugs till <laughs> three in the afternoon. And then, you know, it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you missed out on that tape. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It sucks, dude. I still, but you know, and, and so I think looking at the big picture, I was very well ready at that point cool to deal with it although you know obviously it was a bigger uh there was a lot more stuff at stake you know and and it made it hard and there was more stress for what it was and you know but uh you know to to answer your question it, it wasn't i feel like i was really i mean prepared in a sense. Had you played uh, had you played with Flash before? I mean, did you guys play like back in the day or had you played before, you know, you were out we, to play with them? The only time we ever played was when he was in Titus Sloan and he needed he he always tried to find singers and he never like could really find a singer and which is why they always were like a three piece. And there was one time, like I went, <laughs> I went to his old apartment and tried to sing, and I was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad, but I was like, "Not, nah, I'm not a singer." And you know, but because I had sang in like a couple punk rock bands, I'm like, "Oh, maybe I could sing." And I tried, and it was terrible. But we were friends, and and you know, so no. Besides that, we had never actually play together but we still you know we've always been friends and we still saw each other a lot and I was playing with Duff at the time which made it you know a lot easier so it was like so Slash came to one of the shows I was doing with Duff and it was like oh hey what's up man so <laughs> nice and speaking of uh Slash I don't it didn't happen when you were on the first time Dave right when when Guns N' Roses covered Slither I don't think we spoke about that. No. Did you, I, I, I guess I would, I would love to know your feelings on it. Were you shocked? Uh, do you prefer a different song choice? Well, I guess take us through when you first heard that. I, I don't know, man. I, I heard it. Uh, I just saw it online and you know, it was funny. Like it was, it was funny to hear Axel's reaction. Like, I don't know if you saw it, but like when, after they did it, he was like, he had like a weird, a weird reaction to it. Like it, I, what I gleaned was like, it, that didn't really go the way I planned it to, or it really, you know, it, it was like this weird kind of like, okay, well that's done. Like, or some weird like thing like that. But, you know, I mean, I thought it was all right. I don't, sometimes I hear that song live, even when we did it and I was, and it doesn't seem as great as I remembered. Just that song in particular, because it's got a weird kind of thing to it. And yeah, I just thought it was weird, but I, I knew about it. I didn't know they were going to do it, but I knew it was on the set list because I'd gone to rehearsal. I forgot why. I went to get something from Duff or something, and, and they rehearsed. Because we all kind of live in the same part of L.A., you know, I went to rehearsal. I think it was Duff. He's like, dude, check this out. And he was pointing at the set list on the floor. And there's like these kind of audibles 
of, you know, certain songs. And that was one of them. He's like, I was like, really, dude? He's like, yeah, we, we, we were, he, he said, uh, yeah, it was actually, uh, Axel's idea. I said, really? Like, yeah, I know it's weird. And so <laughs> that was kind of the, that was the whole conversation about it, but it, uh, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting thing, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think, um, I, I personally, I love just the fact that it's, um, acknowledging their past and, and hopefully showing that, you know, more, uh, the fence, the fences are, are truly mended. Um, but I feel the same way about what he did with, uh, Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun, which apparently he asked to do before Chris died, which is really, really weird. Uh, I think Duff had said that recently in a Q and a, uh, but I would love to hear him do like, you got no right. I feel like that's a more Axel kind of vocal or a different, um, Soundgarden song, like My Wave, something different. Uh, so it was a little weird for me, and I think a lot of fans said it got better as the tour went on. But I, I don't yeah. know. That, that, I guess it's not his song, so he has to learn how to do it. So, no, I was just uh, curious uh, just what your, your thoughts were uh, about that. Yeah, I think certain songs, like, you, you, you know, I think there's certain songs that are, like, for instance, when I played with Bill last night, we played... Uh, I'm broken, the Pantera song. Yeah. And which is like one of my favorite Pantera songs. And I'm like a massive Pantera fan. You know, like and when we played the song, there were certain parts of it where I'm like, oh, this isn't like I don't know, it's it's might be more fun to listen to than to play it or I don't it, not that, but it's just like it's just different when you're in a room playing it and hearing it differently than, you know, you're used to hearing the original and you're used to hearing how rad it is. You're used sure. to hearing Phil singing on it. You're used to hearing those guys playing it. And you're like, it just associates with like a, a different part of your brain. And then when you're actually playing it, it doesn't sound as good because it's not them playing it. It's not the version you're used to hearing. It's the version that, someone else is doing, which happens to be you or which happens to be, you know, the fans are hearing some band they love doing a version that they're not used to hearing. Then, so, let, me, then let me ask you, and I, I know I can't, I won't keep you here forever. Uh, I guess in that respect, when you were with Velvet and Scott would do GNR songs or STP songs, you know, it's it's either, okay, it's not Axel singing a GNR song or it's not STP, uh, the, the band playing uh yeah. so did he have a preference of of what he enjoyed doing or did, did, did maybe one or both of those songs not sound right to him because it wasn't with the original band who did it do you know what i'm saying it, going along your same thought process uh, i think that you know i gotta be honest man it, in co contrary to everything i just said <laughs> that when we did those two bands in Velvet Revolver, it felt really good. Cool. That was the one time where, you know, you had, because musically you had the guys from GNR playing. So you had all the Slash stuff and the Duff stuff. And Matt, you know, it's like you really had all of those elements. So you, it's it's different. You know, it's like the Black Old Sun. It's a completely different band. Even though they're good, it's completely different. And when 
you're doing GNR with, you know, three-fifths of GNR. It sounds like GNR. And, and Scott was a fucking great singer. Yeah. So he could sound like, he could do both of those parts. He could do the the low baritone part. He could do, you know, all that stuff. So it was, I think with that, it was it was a little bit of a different thing. Okay. You know, and he he would pick the songs that he wanted to do because I mean, at the end of the day, the singer's got to be the most comfortable one, you know, and, and with the band guys, they would, the only thing they never wanted to do was like sweet child of mine or welcome to the jungle. Those were kind of the two off limit songs. Yeah. Those everything else, that would have been weird. They were like, hmm. yeah, but everything else they were like, all right, let's do that. And Scott would say, what if we do this song? You know, but I mean, as a singer, you're the one that's really got to be the most comfortable. It's like when we do all those cover bands things, you know, it's like you got to, you kind of always got to let the singer pick their song because they have to sell it. Yeah. Otherwise no one's going to buy it, you know, no matter how good the, the musicians, it's, you know, they're out in front of everybody, but you know, I, I think I told you when I interviewed you, uh, I mean, those Velvet Revolver concerts, uh, Starland Ballroom for me, and uh, I forget the amphitheater in West Palm Beach. I mean, I'll never forget them. They were both incredible. And at the time, I thought I would never, ever see Axel and Slash on stage together. But I'll, I'll tell you, I've seen the Not In This Lifetime shows, uh, two of them. They're on par with the Velvet shows, in, in, in my experience. Just, I, yeah. I, I left just like, whoa, all, all of those shows. I just left, whoa. That's that's what I wanted to see. Uh, I guess one last question for you and, and Marcel, of course, if you want to follow up with anything. Uh, I I posted a video of my favorite Velvet song, uh, "You Got No Right," and the one that I I yeah. found was with uh, from 2003 from the Susan Holmes McKagan uh, fashion show. Uh, you weren't there though, but Izzy Stradlin was. Where were you? Do you do you remember that before? Uh, I was there. Oh, okay, because were you on stage? Because I mean, the camera work isn't great. It's not a professional. It's a, some someone in the audience, and they actually didn't even shoot yeah. Izzy Stradlin until the last thirty seconds of the video. Uh, yeah, when he yeah I was there it, actually. I, I remember. That. I remember that. Okay. I remember seeing footage of it. I mean, but yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, because I wrote part of that song, so <laughs> it definitely was there. But I remember the time that was around when Izzy was coming around a lot. Do you were writing songs with them and so and I know we we spoke about <laughs> you were you were kind of funny you were getting worried you know when he was kind of hanging around and you know Duff and Slash or what they were telling you to calm down everything's fine uh yeah Duff Duff uh, right uh do you I mean you can say I have no opinion uh, opinion uh do you foresee him ever hanging around those guys again and you know making an appearance uh on stage is he uh yeah is he do you uh from I I don't know, dude. I mean, I think that, look, you know, time heals all wounds. Uh, obviously, with the, them doing what they're doing now. So, who knows? You know, but I don't know. I don't really know. I know you wouldn't really know. I was just curious as to someone who's kind of, if you if I you had really opinion. know, but yeah. I don't want to really say. <laughs> I, do, I mean, look, there's. They you don't. <laughs> you, you don't have to. Don't worry about it. I, would, I don't want you I, get you get in do, trouble. No, I know that. I know that you never know. 
because fair enough. There's a lot of stuff that happens where I think that'll never happen, and it happens. Mm. You know, look, he's of sound mind. He's he can play. So there's no, you know, until the whatever thing that that bends him out of shape, or or you know, if that can be resolved, which sometimes can, or sometimes, I mean, look, dude, you, you never thought that Axel was going to just change his, who thought, who thought that Axel all of a sudden was just going to start showing up on time and be, you know, have people say like, oh, dude, he's great. <laughs> goes up on time, dude, he's smiling and laughing. Like, I, I know, I see that happening. And you see it. I talk about that a lot. And, you know, I've said going back to our, our uh, other conversation, not to get too deeply into mental health again, but just someone like him, if he spoke out, you know, somebody who was so identified with being angry, you know, jumping off stages, fighting. And then now you see him, he's smiling McGee. You know, what what, what happened? You know, uh, if it's there, I, I would love to not just the, not the dirt part of it, but just like how can you, yeah. you know. Get rid of the anger and like live the, the rest of your life. Yeah, but like the practical, the pragmatic part of how did you do that and how can you? I want to hear that because it can help other people. Exactly. Because you seem like the dude that it would never happen to. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, not saying it badly. I'm just saying, like, from what, everything we know of him, you yes. know, it just that you know, like we said, it didn't seem like the guy that that. That just seems surprising, and yeah, I would I would love to hear that interview too. Mm. You know, of how how did that happen? Like, what did you? It's a very different dynamic now, right? It's a completely different dynamic for Axel. Like, I don't it's I don't see it as a band, right? It's not a band; it's a business, and it's a business that he's running and a show that he's running, and it's an incredible show at that. So, you know, I think when you have a lot of equal voices, right? Like you have five people in the band and they all have an idea of how things are supposed to be. And so there's, there's some push and pull. There's a lot of, there's a lot of infighting sometimes. And I think that certainly that was a story there. And, you know, I think that the show that he, I think he built, he built that tour and it's incredible and he's running it and could see it. And one day monkey mind music group is going to reach the level um, not in this lifetime. It, you guys, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's going to be uh, the quintessential music, uh, movie, TV production group, and you guys are going to hit heights. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think that was just my way of uh, wrapping this up because I know, Dave, you, you've given me so, so much of your time, and I really do appreciate it. Um, so I guess the best way to keep up with you, Dave, uh, Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, Instagram or Twitter or, you know, I suck at all, both of those. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's that. Or, you know, there's like I said, there's the monkeymindmusicgroup.com where we just started to get that up and running. And, you know, we'll start populating it more with, you know, but I'm, you know it's always good to do these things because you're reminded like, oh, that's, I guess no one's going to know what I'm doing unless I do these or put the information somewhere. And it's not like it's that hard or I just don't, you know, just not as into it as my wife is. Actually, <laughs> look at her. Look at her Instagram. <laughs> Chris Kushner. I think that's her. Yeah, Chris Kushner. Do you have other live shows coming up? Um, 
Do you have live shows coming oh, right up now. where we can cut? Co- I wish I knew about that yesterday. I'm actually walking distance to the Roxy and see a lot of shows. Oh, really? I, wish I knew about that. Yeah. The, the only other, no, I don't have any shows. I got, I guess the only other thing I've been working on is I've been writing songs with um, Brad Wilk from Rage Against Machine, the drummer, and, wow. you know, he dates uh, Juliet Lewis. So, uh, the three of us and Scott, the bass player from Weezer, have been working on songs and are, but you know, it's tough because Juliet's so busy and, but she kind of drives the, the bus on this thing. You know, like we're all friends, we all hang out. We just went to Hawaii with her and speaking of Sopranos and Drea from Sopranos is like my wife's best friend. And, and uh, so we all went to Hawaii and, that was great with the kids and everything, but, but so, yeah, we've been working on songs for off and on for like a year, four of us. And so hopefully, you know, at some point we don't, I don't even know what it's going to be, you know, but we just, yeah, I saw her at the Greek a few years ago. I mean, she plays out. That would be really fun to catch. That would be amazing. And she's, she's amazing. She's probably one of the best, definitely one of the best front people in general, man or woman. Like she just is incredible. And, you know, Brad's an amazing drummer. Scott's amazing bass player. So, um, hopefully by the next time we do this, I'll be able to tell you what that band's called and what we're doing, or if it's a band or a project or who knows. Awesome. I appreciate that, uh, that Dave. And, you know, and like you just said, until next time, I, again, I really appreciate your time. And I don't know if I said this to Marcel, this would be, even though this is the second time Dave is technically on the show, it's my third interview with him because my first one I did with him, I only <laughs> saved three minutes of it. I, I wanted to cry. I was on the verge of tears. And, and you know, I, I didn't portray that. And I was being stoic in my my tweet to Dave, apologizing to, for wasting his time. But he's like, let's do it. Let's do it again. And uh, so I will always forever be grateful and for always uh, double check my audio, which I'm watching right now. So we are definitely recording as I see it go into my Adobe. Okay, vision. good. Uh, so, Dave, yeah, thank you so much. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, before we leave, doing a quick liner for me. Uh, saying that, you know, hey, hey, this is Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion uh, with Brando and iHeartRadio. Yeah, no problem. You ready? Yeah, rolling. Hey, this is Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. See, you can do voiceovers. Oh, man, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That might have just been my start. I didn't even know it. Dave, thank you. I know, and uh, by the way, F, F is for Family, uh, the new season's on Netflix, right? The third season? Uh, season three is out on Netflix, and we're actually currently working on season four. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. I've seen a bunch of, and they send me the scripts. I don't really read them, but. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me. <laughs> but no, it's cool. They do these read-throughs, which is really cool, because it's like all the cast members sitting at a table reading the script and that's how they can see like in a room with other people that work on the show. It's like a big conference, bigger than a conference room and it's like a ballroom thing and they do it. Uh, and it's really great to see like Bill and other people on the show, like reading, reading their parts, you know, 
in the script and and seeing which jokes work and which don't and then they go back and fix them and now they're I think they're starting to do the animatics nice uh for the show but yeah it's gonna be it, it gets better every year i gotta catch up because i've only seen season one so i gotta catch up oh and- dude you gotta watch two and three because it's like there's some especially in season three there's there's a lot of a lot more shredding oh like actual like i won't spoil the storyline but there's like a dude that comes into the picture that's like a shredder and it gets it, it's pretty funny because they start like a band and and there's actually me and Bill were talking about it last night in the parking lot after the show because there's this one story I told them about when I I was uh, <laughs> working at no I played a show in 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 Hollywood this place called the Coconut Teaser and I was running across Sunset and I totally face planted on Sunset. But I had my gear in my hand, I had my guitar in my left hand, or my guitar in one hand and my amp on the other. And I was like spread out, like, you know, Jesus pose, like face down on the on the street and knocked all my teeth out and stuff. And oh, but oh my God. He, but it but the funny part about it, years later, that that's why I was still drinking. But the funny thing about it is I had told him that story and the the teenage son Kevin does the exact same thing in one of the scenes and i was like dude is that me he's like yeah dude he pulled a kushner (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's it's exactly the same pose the same way he just starts running and he just face plants with his arms stretched out and his guitar in one hand it's okay i'm gonna catch up and i'm gonna know exactly where that's from now awesome i appreciate you'll see it dude and he's got a top hat on when he does it, so you'll know. And, and next time you speak to Bill, whisper in his ear if he ever wants to do a Guns N' Roses podcast. There is one. <laughs> yeah. Dude, oh, dude, he's, you know, he's like, that's how we got together and like, because he's a huge GNR fan. I know. I've, I mean, I told I, you that story, right? Um, I feel like, well, no, you can, I mean, if you don't have to run anywhere, you can tell us. So I go to, uh, my kid goes to school, public school, my kid's go to public school and like every year you got to raise money for the school for the teacher for the art program and the music and all that stuff so we so at my school they have they have like a uh, a party every year for the parents you know grown-ups only party to promote like okay this is the year starting and we're gonna start with donations and we're gonna have a like a kickoff you know of the year party and so that's how that's part of why I got into the school is because I used to do that before, when my kids were like two years old before they were going to school. And they just did it for those reasons. It's for music and art. And, you know, Marcel and I both went to public high school and public, all public schools. And, and, you know, those, those programs, even if you don't realize it when you're there are important, you know, those art and music and PE and all those, the library, like all that stuff's not funded anymore by LAUSD. So, so my friend said, you know, why don't you play this thing? And it, you know, and I did it. And then I ended up, it ended up being my job at the school. So then, you know, and I did it for eight years at my kid's school. And so the first year I had to do it on my own, you know, you put together the band. So I got like Chris Cheney from Jane's and Frankie Perez and this kid, Andrew Watt, who's this big songwriter now and, and just different people. And you do all covers and, you know, people drink and they have fun and whatever. And 
there's always like a big, you, know, you try and get like a big guest or whatever. So one year I got Duff and Slash. Because actually, yeah, so I got Duff and Slash and I had asked Bill earlier that week, I said, dude, you want to play? Because I knew he played drums and I played with him before. I said, do you want to play uh, uh, this ACDC song, Highway to Hell? And he said, yeah, dude, for sure. And I knew that I was going to put him on stage with Duff and Slash, but I didn't tell him. And so he came to town check and he played with the other guys, you know, with Cheney and these other guys. Right. And he was like, okay, cool. Cause he is like the biggest GNR fan. Like I had no idea until one night we went out to dinner. He's like, dude, I used to play with that record, like front to back, play drums along with it at my mom's house. And my brother would play, but you know, it's like, he's deep GNR fan. I'm standing on stage and I'm like, oh, I want to, and he had already gone up behind me. I didn't realize. I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, I brought this friend, blah, 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 Bill Burr, and he's like on the drum set, and he's like, yeah. And he's, so we're all up there, the same band that he played with at Soundcheck. And then I'm like, oh, and I have two more friends, you know, and I bring up Duff and Slash, dude, and his whole like demeanor just changed. <laughs> and he just like slumped over, and he got all like a turtle, like put his head down, and he was just like, oh, shit. Like, and it was so rad because he played the whole set with his head down and he's like, and he couldn't like look up because it was too much. And at one point he looked up and he had this big grin on his face and then he like kind of fucked up (laughs) what he was playing and then got, you know, and then he recovered and he's just like, so he leaves and he sends me this text and he's like, dude. I've been doing comedy for 23 years and this was the best night of my life. Mm. And, and someone had recorded it, one of my wife's friends. So I sent him cause he's like, Oh, I got to go do a set at the comedy store. So he goes to the comedy store. This is the, this is the part I heard about later. He goes to the comedy store. I send him the text of, of us performing. And he, they, you know, they said, do you want to go up when he got to the comedy store? And he's, he's like, no, dude. I'm not going up there. I'm not doing anything to fuck up this evening. Like that was the best night of my life. I just played on stage with Duff and Slash and I, I, I'm not going on stage. <laughs> and right then I sent him the video. So he's like showing it to all his buddies. <laughs> so he's on this high. He goes, gets in his car. He had a Prius at the time. <laughs> he's pulling out of this driveway and he pulls out. And, like, if you've ever been to the comedy store, like, you pull up this, like, driveway, and then you have to pull out on the sunset, and there's, like, people walking up and down the sidewalk. And he said this, like, attractive girl is, you know, on the passenger side walking towards his car, and she's, like, knocking on his window, and he's like, oh, she probably wants an autograph or something. And and she knocks on the window, and I don't remember what name it was, but she goes, he rolls down the window, and she goes, um, are you Jose, our Uber driver? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and then I was just like right back down to earth from all of that stuff that just happened. That's quite an ego check right there. But no, that, that's amazing. Right? Uh, so, I mean, if you want to be, you know, slowly kind of uh, persuade him to do a Guns N' Roses podcast, to, you know, if he wants to take a step down from his massively successful one, um, I'd love to interview him. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I'll, oh, sorry. I'm happy to mention it to him. I know he's going to be, he just told me he's going to New York next week for all summer. So oh. I know he'll be on the East Coast. But he, mm. 
Yeah, he said it because he just said he's uh, starting to interview interview people on his podcast and Duff's going on there, uh, I think, tomorrow. You said something, uh, speaking of Duff, that I want you just to say. I know I, I had you record the liner before, but you said that was rad, that experience, right? That's, that's yeah. So you said rad. That's a theme so, that's a theme word. Uh, Duff has said it on several occasions. Hold on, I get sound bites. That's pretty yeah. radical. And when Brain was on. It's rad. So now you are also rad. It was so rad. So, yeah, th- there was really no point yeah. to that, but my my listeners seem to appreciate whenever the word rad is brought up. So, okay, I'm glad I, yeah, I'm glad I could help the listeners. <laughs> I see, Dave. I start, I start the interviews awkward. I end them awkward. It's just who I am. Yeah, I like it. It's like an awkward sandwich <laughs> in the middle of the day. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Glad you're feeling 85. percent and, um, you know, just uh, keep doing just great things. I'm looking forward to what, the, you know, monkey music turns into, what the, your, your, I don't know if it's going to be a band with Juliette Lewis, whatever it could be. Just uh, just keep being awesome, and I really appreciate it. And the fans were excited to hear from you because Velvet Revolver still means a lot to a lot of people. So you're certainly not forgotten. Thanks, All right. Well, thank you very much, dude. I appreciate it. It's always, you know, anytime I can help you out or whatever. Um, and Marcel was nice talking to you and hearing from you and and uh best of luck you as well yeah you too anything <laughs> else uh, marcel you just wanted to ask I, I i don't mean to cut you off if you had one more thing no 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 it's great no i had a lot of fun really appreciate uh being invited to join you guys in the chat today cool all right and marcel thank you again for your for your time i really appreciate it. great job as co-host, I know you were trying to get him to admit to a felony with the whole uh, Ticketmaster thing. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. But you I asked some uh, great questions. Happy to do it. <laughs> you asked some great that questions. Was a lot of fun. Yeah, so obviously you're you're always welcome back because um, you know you're a great co-host. Uh, you you have a great story, and I don't know. Maybe we can work on getting uh, Flea on. Maybe I, I doubt he. Do you think he would remember you, Flea? I would love that. Yeah, that would be really great. Uh, so uh, that's absolutely uh, absolutely this is what i so i guess dave has his he's going to try to get bill burr and you're going to try to get Flea. yeah yeah i'll try to get Flea. <laughs> yeah that would be a lot of fun thank you so much marcel for your timing just continue thank you. continue kicking ass thank you you too take care very cool marcel very very sweet woman uh just full of ideas and creative ideas and you know again has that six degrees of of gnr bacon you know, someone that you may not have read about in all the Guns N' Roses articles and books, but has a very direct connection with Slash, you know, being in a band with, with Tracy and, you know, of course, remembering Dave, who has d- direct, you know, GNR connections, because he is the, I guess, the one degree or two degree, I guess, because he wasn't technically in Guns N' Roses, but whatever. That's math that doesn't really apply. I'm just trying to be as creative as, as Marcel, and it's not happening. And, and Dave was just, um, I, I really didn't know what to expect. I was going to catch up with him about what he's doing now. And, you know, I appreciate when I get those messages about how I handle mental health. Because I know sometimes I'm not even ready to talk about it. You know, that's why I like to set the table and talk about other things before. You know, hey, how do you feel about Chester? You know, that's too jarring to talk about it. And I really appreciate his openness. And I really appreciate, you know, uh, all of you enjoying when we go to that part of a conversation, not just all the drug, sex, and rock and roll, but we talk about, you know, the, the heavy stuff that, that's still plaguing 
our rock stars, our friends, our families. So to hear and to have that kind of conversation with Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver is pretty special. And I think it's what this podcast is all about. Right? So uh, what is to come on Appetite for Distortion? I don't know. I say that every time. I used to like to give uh, some guests coming up. But, you know, I think I want you to follow me more on social media. That's the best way to keep up to date with what's going on in between these episodes. So Facebook.com slash The AFD Show or on Twitter at The AFD Show. Again, appreciate whether you found us on iHeartRadio, the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, iTunes. Please follow and subscribe. Our people here at iHeart see those numbers. They see them. They love what I'm doing. They really do. But again, we got we got to get up to the Bill Burr numbers. Okay? I'm not Bill Burr. People don't know who I am. So I I depend on you to share the word about this this podcast and the cool things that we do here. So until next time, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. security, I'm going home.